Support for IPR comes from Corridor Vein Center and Corridor Aesthetics, treatment for varicose veins and spider veins, also providing facial rejuvenation services and treatment for moderate to severe acne. More at Corridor Vein and Corridor Aesthetics.com. It's River to River from IPR News. I'm Ben Kiefer. Well, whether you need some new windows, a furnace, a car, a rooftop solar system perhaps, there are new tax breaks available through the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, remember, that was passed last year. Uh, these will help you save money, go green, and, well, undoubtedly uh, increase the value of your home. Money's aimed at reducing greenhouse emissions, also promoting this lean energy, these technologies that are leaner than the current ones that we have that are so focused on using fossil fuels. So this hour, we want to learn about the significant financial incentives you, I, anyone uh, can use to make homes greener. Now in the future, just a note, we'll focus an entire show, I'm sure, on cars, because there's a lot of money uh, devoted to encouraging you to more, um, so better transportation uh, in in terms of getting away from those fossil fuels. Uh, measures that can make a lot of sense for your budget and, as I say, curb greenhouse emissions. Later in the hour, uh, we'll be joined by um, a, a climate policy engineer to find out how much these measures are likely, well, to help our planet, because that's the goal, right? We want to save money. But helping our planet and, and stem those emissions, that's the, that's the big picture goal here. But first, let's get to the practical stuff. What exactly are these monies for green home improvement? And how do you or I take advantage of these incentives? Joining us today, Pamela Brookstein. Uh, Pamela is Senior Projects Manager at a nonprofit called Elevate Energy headquartered in Chicago. Uh, the nonprofit works nationally to make clean and affordable heat, power, and uh, water available to all. Pamela, welcome to our program. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. I want to reach out to listeners and uh, say this is the perfect opportunity if you have questions about how these new financial incentives can make your home greener, more efficient, less of a burden to the planet. This is the hour to do this. You could also, uh, perhaps uh, you have a question, or perhaps you have an experience. Perhaps you already have a green home upgrade um, you'd like to share or one that you're planning on. 1-866-780-9100, 1-866-780-9100, or email us, river to river at iowapublicradio.org. Pamela, since we're most of us unfamiliar with Elevate Energy and you've been around for years, that nonprofit, uh, tell us about the work you do. I understand you, you work with realtors on what are called high, on value for high performing homes. Tell us about that. Yeah, I am really, really lucky at Elevate. I do get to work with the real estate community and work with them to try to ensure that when high performing homes, when energy efficient or solar homes go on the market, they are consistently valued for more money, which they should be because they are, they're better homes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So list, uh, we, we want to talk about the Inflation Reduction Act and how it applies to um, green technology. List some of the newest technologies uh, we're dealing with uh, for homes. Well, I'm going to actually start with one of the older ones because mm. it is by air sealing and insulating a home 
that will make the biggest difference in someone's experience, their their day-to-day experience in their home. And it's after that that people can move forward and go with air source heat pumps or move to geothermal or put on solar systems, but making sure that a home's building envelope and the envelope is everything that keeps the outside out and the inside in, making sure that envelope is tight is definitely the place to begin. Okay. So you're saying that's the lowest hanging fruit. That's where we can save the most energy. Yeah, it actually is. Um, Because a home really can't be energy efficient if it's leaky. You can have the the highest rated efficiency furnace and air conditioning system. You can have solar panels. But if you're using more than you really need to, that home isn't efficient. Mm -hmm. Um, So this uh, your work applies to new homes, but also, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners will be in uh, older homes, Uh, retrofitting homes. Also part of what uh, you can talk about. Oh, absolutely. I live in a 110-year-old bungalow. Uh, When I moved in 25 years ago, it did not have, as it turns out, a stitch of insulation, and it definitely didn't have something that we call air sealing. And over the years that I've lived here, I've made significant changes to improve that building envelope by air sealing and insulating in the attic and in the basement and even in the walls. And my home is completely different. It feels completely different than when I first moved in. Mm -hmm. Some listeners may be saying, okay, this is all fine. We have to make an investment. There are tax incentives here. But uh, let's say I'm operating on a shoestring already. Is this, uh, with with these new incentives, is this sort of aimed only at uh, (laughs) the well-heeled? Or or can people at all income levels take advantage of these tax uh, incentives? That is an excellent question, Um, because a lot of the problems that that happened 10 years ago when we had these sorts of incentives that came out have been fixed this time around. First of all, the incentives last for years instead of just over one year. But second of all, the incentives are based on how much of an incentive one gets is based on income. Um, And the the idea behind these rebates is to really help people who will be most impacted by high energy bills lower their energy bills and make it as easy and accessible as possible. Mm-hmm. So regardless of your income um, as a homeowner, you should consider this. It's, it's not just for those who want these uh, super <laughs> technologically green homes or have them or are planning to build new ones, right? Exactly. This is for everyone. Okay. Let's talk about some of the, the, the technologies here. You mentioned some of those that we have been hearing more and more about heat pumps, solar po- panels, but also for many years we've been hearing about geothermal uh, technology. And um, I, I wanted to get your reaction to an, a conversation I had the other day that we'll hear right now, about a five-minute conversation. I, I spoke with Dennis Reese. He's a retired IPR midday host that our uh, that our listeners are are well acquainted with. He and his wife, Margaret, retrofitted their home uh, outside of Iowa City with geothermal heating and cooling, um, I think about 10 years ago. And so I took the opportunity to to quiz him 
about that experience, and I, I began by asking him to tell us more about the geothermal system they decided to have installed to heat and cool their home and why. Well, we had uh, the thought that it would be a nice thing to, well, just let me be honest, we wanted to save a whole bunch of money, <laughs> <laughs> and it's been spectacular. We've had this geothermal system, and there's a lot in the Iowa City metro area. We're certainly not the only house to have one installed. We've saved a lot of money. I mean, I think um, probably 75% of our, uh, at least that much, we've saved over mm. our old utility bill. So it's rather startling, and it's rather nice to have, to not have a big utility bill to pay every month. Yeah, okay, so tell us how, how, how it works, because it's, it's quite an investment, uh, and I know you had incentives to do this, tax incentives, but how does it work? They they actually have to dig quite deep. What yeah. is the system that was installed in your home area? Because it, it, it encompasses your whole yard or something. Yeah, you don't have to have the thing. One thing I might mention, you don't have to have a big yard. We have a big yard, but you don't have to have a big yard to have geothermal. They come in, you have to have excavators. It's a special company separate from the heating and cooling company. They basically dig up your yard they make a hell of a mess, and they sort of restore it when they're done, although <laughs> these, these people didn't quite get the job done. They did a nice job, though, putting in the buried pipes. These are pipes that uh, are in a horizontal trenches just below the ground, sort of, like a, sort of like a septic system if you live out in the country. So these, they dig up your yard. They put in the pipes. They connect the pipes to your furnace room. And then a separate heating company installs the heat pump itself, which is a big, big thing, big piece of mm-hmm. equipment. And then you're off and running. And, and is, it, is it air or fluid going through these It's pipes? water. It's, it's water. It's water. And so what we're, what we're doing is taking advantage of the fact that uh, a certain amount, uh, inches or feet below the ground, we have a more constant temperature no matter what. Um, the weather is, whether, That's it's, right. whether it's very hot in the summer or very cold in the winter. Right. As the EPA says in their official document, the earth maintains a near constant temperature in contrast to the summer and winter extremes of the air above ground. So the beauty of this is works perfectly well in the winter, works perfectly well in the summer. You just have to flip a switch between heat and cooling you know, whenever you're in the... So you have no traditional air air conditioning unit? You have no, no. traditional furnace that is a sort of forced air gas? We have... They talked us into a backup furnace. It was part of the deal. And I would recommend it. Um, we've, we've had to use it a few times when it's 20 below or something like that. So we do have a, back, a traditional backup furnace, and I think mm-hmm. it's a good idea. But you don't have to have one. How, how do you like this versus the, the days a few years ago when you had... What most of us have, a traditional gas furnace, forced air, and traditional AC unit. Well, one thing uh, my wife mentioned, she loves the fact that it's quiet. You know, the old furnaces, when the heat kicks on and the cooling, you know, the fan kind of, you know, revs up and it's Mm -hmm. pretty noisy. This is sort of a constant thing. It's kind of on at a very low fan level in the background, so there's really not much noise. And it provides a very consistent in fact, it works better if you can just decide on a temperature and leave it there. It'll stay there for hours, and you, you don't even know it's on. The, you mm. don't even know the system is on. You just know that you're very comfortable with the temperature in your house. Let, let's get back to what you first mentioned, savings here. Uh, what was your investment, and what did you have for an incentive? And and when will you see, um, you know, a, 
well, I guess when will you pay off the investment? And, and I think we paid it off bo- already after ten years. Oh, um, I, I will mention. Um, I just read. Uh, from the EPA's website, the federal tax credit, very nice, 30% has now been renewed through the year 2032. 30% of the entire cost? Yes, as a tax rebate. And the state of Iowa uh, has a similar rebate that's in effect at the end of 2024. So you've got plenty of time uh, to take advantage of these tax rebates, which are substantial. It's a lot of money back. Mm -hmm. How much was the environment in your mind, in your wife's Margaret's mind as a motivation for this home investment? Well, it was obviously we thought of that. I mean, we we wanted to save some money, but it just gives you a good feeling that you're not burning any natural gas and you're not using much electricity at all in the summer with the cooling. Uh, The only electricity you're really using is just to run the fan, and that runs at a very low level. So you're not really using much energy, and so you don't have to feel guilty about... uh, Turning the heat up or turning the cooling up, and you, you don't feel bad about it. You just it gives you a good feeling. Okay, Dennis Reese, uh, happy. I want to know how, how happy. My last question, uh, one to ten. Everything's on one to ten, right? <laughs> one to ten rating. One to ten. How happy are you and Margaret, your wife, uh, with inst- having a geothermal system installed ten years ago? I would say a ten, and I would also mention there's very few things that go wrong with it. Knock on wood. There's not a lot of mechanical parts. It's just uh, it's a, it's like having an electric car. I guess you know, there isn't a lot to repair, so it works wonderfully. I'd highly recommend it. It is expensive to install, but don't forget the tax rebates and don't forget the significant savings. You on give your, us a round number. How expensive? I don't know, fifteen, twenty thousand, maybe. Okay. I'm guessing. Can't actually remember something like that. Okay, it was ten years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dennis Reese, thanks very much for sharing. Thank you. Conversation I had of. A day or so ago with Dennis Reese. You remember him well, I'm sure. And uh, Pamela Brookstein is with us uh, live of Elevate Energy. Pamela, what did you think of that conversation? Now, we're talking about an installation from 10 years ago. I imagine there have been updates. Actually, um, these systems have been very similar for a for quite a long period of time. But yes, um, there's always updates. And it was an incredibly exciting uh, conversation to listen to, partly because it's what I was saying about how he and his wife, their experience in the house is so different mm. than it was before when they had traditional um, furnace and air conditioning. Their experience changed, and and that's worth something in the real estate market. Yeah, uh, just to think that you don't hear that you know everybody hears their therm their their furnace when the thermostat says hey the temperature's dropped there the furnace clicks on it starts heating up and then the the forced air comes a, uh, a few seconds after that so that's all gone huh? It is, and the safety aspect really can't be emphasized enough. If you think about the fact that you no longer have these combustion appliances in your home. Uh, There was a study recently done by Stanford University that showed even well-installed gas ranges, so perfectly installed gas ranges, are consistently leaking methane, consistently. Mm. Um, 
So to remove that from your house to protect yourself and your family, how wonderful is that? Yeah. And with geothermal um, and also with the uh, solar pump or heat pumps, we can talk about that. You're not you're not burning anything. You're just <laughs> using some fabulous technology to, to sort of rearrange heat, to sort of <laughs> concentrate heat where you want it, namely in your home. Um, uh, we've we've got a lot of people who want to uh, join our conversation, Pamela. Uh, let, let's go to Algona, where Paul is. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the program. You just heard that conversation with Dennis Reese. Uh, you're on live with Pamela Brookstein of Elevate Energy. What's on your mind? Yeah, thanks. I had a question for Pamela. Um, I understand that geothermal is uh, less expensive the more land you have to work with. So for us people who live in towns and cities, is have you heard of anything in the works uh, like a shared system, say, uh, underneath a new subdivision or deeper in older parts of a city, say, if they redo a public park maybe, like a shared geothermal system? Oh, that is such an excellent question, and I don't know the answer. I, I do know about community solar, which would be something very similar to what you're talking about um, when people can't put solar on their own roofs and they buy into a system and are all able to take advantage of the energy. Hmm. Um, but I don't know the answer to that. Uh, Paul, thanks for your question. Uh, uh, Pamela, what about the, the, the area needed for geothermal, for instance? I've seen some reports where if you have a limited amount of space, uh, land, um, they can they can um, drill down and actually make that pipe network more more vertical. They can actually. Um, I think it's much easier when there's more land. But I have an example of a church that is right in my area. I live in a very dense, completely built up city, and they they drilled down. Um, and they also took advantage of really good rebates that were available at the time. Mm -hmm. But yes, that's exactly what they did. They drilled down. Got a, a few minutes before we take a break. I wanted to, to get in another conversation, another guest in our conversation before we take a break. Uh, he'll be joining us for the uh, remainder of the hour. Jerry Schnoor, you've heard him in our program before. He's a professor of environmental engineering, also co-director of the Center for Global and Regional Environmental Research at the University of Iowa, a climate policy engineer. Jerry, welcome back to our program. Thanks, Ben. Good to be here. You've been sitting across from me listening to this conversation here, and uh, we've asked you to be here to, to give us sort of the, 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 the reading on the, this new investment, huge investment, hundreds of billions of dollars over the next 10 years that's available to people for their homes, uh, for perhaps new cars, different cars. I'd like to start off by having you give us the, the big picture from your view, what the Environment Inflation Reduction Act represents in terms of stemming greenhouse gases, avoiding the, the worst scenarios that we've been hearing about in our changing climate. We've never had a piece of legislation like this before. There have been, as, uh, as Pamela said, there have been incentives for wind and, and solar and geothermal uh, in the past, tax incentives and uh, corporate incentives, but never before have we had a package, uh, $369 billion, so many provisions, uh, couldn't possibly go over them in one show, uh, but uh, all designed to reduce greenhouse gases. So we're uh, the signatory of the uh, Paris Climate Accord, climate agreement, and uh, subsequent agreements, and 
to show other countries for the first time that we're really serious about this. This is an important act, the Inflation Reduction Act. Maybe a misnomer, but it really yeah, is right. a, our first <laughs> greenhouse gas reduction act. And we're talking about while, while we have been reducing our greenhouse gases, not as fast as uh, the European Union, but our country has been reducing. But this uh, should take it from, let's say, by uh, the year 2030, from maybe 25 or 35 percent reduction, our baseline year is 2005, to about 40 percent uh, reduction in greenhouse gases. So it's significant when you add up all the provisions. It, it, it's all voluntary. It's just incentives and tax rebates, and you have to join the program if you want to take but that, advantage of it. that can be powerful, can it? It can be powerful. Okay, Jerry, hang on, because we have so many people wanting to join our conversation. Let's go to Ron, who is listening. Where are you, Ron? Ron, Long thanks. Long-term measurement, yes. Yeah, where are you calling from, please? Trenton, Mo. Trenton, Missouri. Very, very good. Welcome. Thanks for listening to Iowa Public Radio. We are coming up on a break. Uh, go ahead with your question. Okay. Long-term measurements at Columbia, Missouri, show a 55-degree average annual temperature, but it varies by season at 10-foot depth. It's a 10-degree Fahrenheit swing. It's uh, about 50 in February and about 60 in August. Hmm. If you go deeper, the difference is less. Therefore, vertical pipe loop systems are much wiser than horizontal ones that are only 4 to 6 feet deep. Or you might have a natural 15 to 20-degree temperature swing, exactly the opposite of when you want it. And when you run the system, you make it a little hotter in the summer and much colder in the winter. If you go with either horizontal or vertical, don't use pure water. Use half and half, uh, the less toxic antifreeze and water. Therefore, you will freeze several inches of ice on the outside of the pipe, and you will extract the heat of fusion, 80 uh, BTUs per pound of water out okay. of every pound of water that you freeze. Jerry, it sounds, or, uh, uh, Ron, rather, it sounds like you have uh, a lot of expertise here. We're coming up on a break. Uh, Pamela, quick, before we do go to a break, there's someone who <laughs> who knows the, the picture in Missouri. Now, a little bit higher um, uh, on, on uh, the North American map, where you are in Illinois, I guess, and where we are in Iowa, uh, the, the principle's right. You just you just minimize the swings in temperature the, the deeper you go in the ground. Correct. What I what I always tell real estate agents when I'm when I'm teaching these topics, um, and this applies to me as well, work with a really good contractor who knows what they're doing, knows the environment, knows about the incentives that are available, and knows about your particular situation. Okay, Pamela Brookstein is the Senior Projects Manager at Elevate Energy, a nonprofit based in Chicago, but they work nationally, as you've heard, um, advising uh, real estate uh, companies and agents. Jerry Schnoor is with us, Professor of Environmental Engineering at the University of Iowa. He co-directs the Center for Global and Regional Environmental Research. We'll be back. Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. 
This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. We're back with this um, very green edition of River to River from IPR News. I'm Ben Kiefer. Whether you need windows, a furnace, a rooftop solar system, there are new tax breaks out there uh, that you can take advantage of through the Inflation Reduction Act passed last year. You can save money, go green, increase uh, the value of your home. Uh, We're learning that from Pamela Brookstein, Senior Projects Manager at Elevate Energy based in Chicago, but uh, active uh, with her nonprofit um, nationwide. Um, uh, Jerry Schnoor is with us, uh, uh, Professor of Environmental Engineering at the University of Iowa, and we have uh, lots of people who are getting in on our conversation. We hope you will, too. If you'd like to ask a question about uh, the interesting new technologies uh, that are uh, being incentivized uh, through these new monies, or perhaps you've already done something, one 780 River to River at iowapublicradio.org. Wanted to reemphasize something that Pamela brought out at the very start. You know, perhaps a home energy audit is one of the first steps uh, to, to take because it's likely that just improving the insulation in your home, uh, you know, the windows, the doors, um, the in general insulation in your attic is is a good way to start saving the most uh, energy. Um, but uh, I wanted to go to some uh, e- emails that we've had uh, here in the last few minutes. Uh, Pamela, let me uh, direct this uh, to you. Jill writing, I'm getting a new roof installed from hail damage. It's an insurance claim. What is the thought to incorporating solar panels? How I would assume, she writes, a roofer c- could uh, be a third party, have a third party with a solar company, right? Uh, is on the roof, she asks, better than in the backyard near the house. Uh, I think ground level could have benefits. Backyard faces south, she writes, lots of open sun. Um, so, so comment on, on what you need to think about if, before you uh, invest in, in solar panels and how you do that if you need a new roof due to hail damage like Jill does. Um, that It is the absolute perfect time to on solar if you are also putting on a new roof, solar systems last minimally, you know, their, their really useful life is minimally around 25 years, which is about how long a roof lasts. So pairing the two together is a great idea. And there are a lot of roofing and solar companies that have uh, started working together because it makes Having a little problem hearing you, Pamela. Oh, yeah, we're 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 hearing you. Go ahead. Now you have me, okay? Yes, I think we're hearing you. Go ahead. Okay. Did you hear any of? We, uh, we just what lost the last few hearing? last few seconds. Repeat oh. the last repeat the last sentence there. I think you were aiming towards. You know, it's really important. They're teaming up together. Uh, yes. um, the roofers and solar people. And and back to a point you made earlier in the program. Make sure you research your, your contractors. Right. Yeah, I feel really strongly about that, about making sure that people are using high quality contractors. And that that means talking to friends and reading reviews. And actually, I do recommend if you see someone who has a solar system on their house and you like how it looks, just Mm -hmm. knocking on the door and talking to those people. People generally, uh, when they have solar, they are very good at it. 
Yeah, very happy with it. Okay, uh, let's get down to just just like the bottom line here. Jerry, uh, you can help us with this too, because I want to ask you first of all, for, for a house, I know you have some figures there. How much um, monies, how in terms of tax incentives, are available for just an average home? You know, this is 725-page uh, legislation. There's so <laughs> many provisions, but if you add them all up for an individual homeowner, you're in the 20000 of dollars, and uh, it's substantial. But I'm counting now the purchase of a, a tax rebates on a electric car or a used car, which is available. Okay, so in, that, that, that 20000 plus figure. 8000 for heat, uh, groundwater heat pumps that we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. There's subsidies for air heat pumps on your homes and for, as mentioned earlier, uh, insulating and even energy audits. So, mm-hmm. so many uh, incentives are there for the individual homeowner. Right. Uh, let's let's go to Tom in Des Moines because along the same lines, I think he has a um, a bottom line question here. Uh, Tom uh, and and Doug writing in too. Doug has is a senior on limited income. He says he currently pays no taxes. He wants to know if this program works for him. Tom, is is that sort of the situation you're in? That's about the same for me. Yeah. Yeah. So your question is. Uh. Pretty much the same. I'm retired and then, uh, you know, don't have that much of a tax liability. Is there anything out there yeah. for me to help with the cost? Yeah, Jerry, Jerry, uh, tackle that one, please, for Doug. That's and a great for question, Tom. Doug. I think that the. In the case, this is one of those cases where you have to spend money to make money. Uh, all of the provisions that involve tax uh, rebates would be uh, for you a purchase of an electric vehicle. Uh, but anything with tax incentives, you do have to have tax liability. For example, my own University of Iowa, we don't have any tax liability, so we can't enjoy the provisions of this kind of uh, act. And churches are in the same uh, ballpark. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Pamela, are you still there? I think we're working on getting a different connection with you. Are you still there for now? I am here. Okay. Uh, Jerry sort of outlined the, the maximum amount of incentives in terms of tax uh, uh, you, can, you can expect from this. When you're working with realtors, can you tell us how much this, what is the range in, in how much this can increase the value of your home? It, it, I hate when I have to say this, but it does depend. Um, it depends on market that you live in and on the the upgrades that you've made. But generally, the research is showing a 5% premium compared to other homes. This only happens when the home is marketed correctly. And that's what I talk about in the classes that I teach is how do real estate agents market these things to talk about homeowner experience and help buyers understand how how much better their lives could be in one house versus another. Okay, Pamela, I think we're going to drop your present connection, get you back on a phone line, uh, a little more dependable connection there. But in the meantime, uh, Jerry, um, we have uh, some input from listeners talking about uh, perhaps this is a, a rich person's incentive or or just for, for folks who are wealthy enough to be uh, homeowners. Uh, but you pointed out in the break to me there are provisions here for low-income communities. Tell us about that. This is one of the first pieces of legislation that I've seen that emphasizes environmental justice. And uh, the uh, $60 billion are earmarked for low-income communities, communities of color, disadvantaged 
uh, communities who suffer, for example, like in Cancer Alley, suffer from pollution, the things that can be done there, even subsidies on their garbage trucks, subsidies on the local transportation, mass transit for communities, just like that, only they can qualify, and a billion dollars on uh, cleaner buses, garbage trucks, heavy-duty vehicles. And so uh, this is really kind of unique in this legislation that um, there's such an emphasis on environmental justice. And I would say we've ignored this area for way too long. Mm -hmm. So certainly early adopters tend to be uh, upper middle class type uh, people, but there's a lot in here for uh, communities that are disadvantaged. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have an email from uh, Al um, he heard the interview with Dennis, uh, spent, he, he can't quite remember, fifteen dollars to $20,000 10 years ago in Iowa City to put in, uh, uh, well, geothermal, uh, largely eliminate his use of, of natural gas. He said that was very helpful, um, but he wants to know uh, up front, um, Pamela, maybe you can help up, uh, what would the cost be now in terms of investment in, tw- in 2023? And he wants to know, what is some data regarding the turnaround time to recoup recoup the investment? That's a good question. Um, I don't specifically know the answer to that around geothermal, about around costs. And I again, I think a lot of this is around it depends. It depends how much heating and cooling you actually need in your home. So going back to my broken record comment, <laughs> um, keeping your house, making sure your your house is energy efficient as possible by by making sure the building envelope is is tight is the the first place to go. I can tell you that with solar, right now most people I talk to are paying off solar in about seven to ten years. Mm. Okay. Jerry, you had something to add? I think for heat pumps, my class actually makes these uh, calculations, and it depends on the current rebate uh, system, and this will add to it, the new legislation, IRA. Uh, but we're talking um, 10 to 20 years to pay off an extensive uh, geothermal mm-hmm. heat pump system. Even uh, with the incentive? Even with the incentive. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and the heat pump system, now that's a, you know, air conditioners, and I've never understood this, how they 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 create cool air, bring it into your house with just electricity. But heat pumps, Pamela, maybe you can expand on this. Uh, I understand them as just doing what air conditioners do, but in reverse, right? Well, they work the same as your refrigerator, which is your refrigerator um, has a heat pump that takes, it takes heat out of the inside of your fridge and it moves it to the outside. Mm. That's why and it's a little that's, that's why it's a little warm in the back of your fridge. <laughs> so this is why it they are so efficient is that they are not creating heat, they are moving heat. So mm. in the summer what's happening is the heat pump is removing heat from the inside of your house and dumping it outside. Mm-hmm. So for instance a really efficient uh, furnace let's say like one of the most efficient furnaces out there is 97% efficient. So really, really efficient. A heat pump is around 200% efficient. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> okay. that's the, I think that's because in the calculation, we don't count the energy coming from the earth in the wintertime to help heat your home, nor does it count the energy, as uh, as Pamela said, 
to dump your heat into the groundwater. That's just uh, like a freebie, isn't it? Yeah. So it's it's a good deal. All right. Let's go to another caller before our hour ends as we uh, talk with Jerry Schnoor, University of Iowa Professor of Environmental Engineering, co-director of the Center for Global and Regional Environmental Research, Pamela Brookstein uh, of Elevate Energy, a nonprofit interested in in getting greener technology in homes. Um, Let's go to Dan. Dan is Dan is with us. If I can get Dan on, Dan is with us from Des Moines. Hi, Dan. Hello there. Hi, welcome to the program. Yes, thank you. What did you want to chip in today? Well, you guys took the words right out of my mouth. What <laughs> I was calling about is why are we constantly coming up with uh, new uh, air conditioners and things like that when we're not making good use of what we already have. You know, geothermal is a good example. But take a look at our refrigerators. Uh, right now, it's, it's not even 30 degrees outside in Des Moines. And I have no way to harvest that cold air and use it to run my refrigerator. Instead, I'm using electricity to run a compressor. And we don't have a device that allows a refrigerator that I know of to either uh, use that cold air in the winter or even tap into a geothermal system. Likewise, in the summer, what do we do? We use the refrigerator to pump heat out of the refrigerator and into the house. Now, we could be exhausting that heat directly Mm. out of the house, but instead we exhaust it into the house, and then we run some kind of an air conditioner to spend more power removing the heat from the house that the refrigerator just dumped in the house. So <laughs> right. why aren't we doing a better job of perhaps putting a refrigerator on an outside wall or right. uh, where, have- where it's possible is go ahead and have that heat exchanger to, to make better use of a refrigerator and have it run a lot less. Yeah. Uh, Dan, you point out so well that we have a lot of systems in our homes that, that are kind of fighting each other, it sounds like. Uh, Dan, uh, thanks. Thanks for the call from Des Moines and one eight six six seven eighty ninety one hundred. 780 Pamela, I don't know if you had a comment about that. I don't think Jerry has, but uh, we can move on to another caller. Steve is with us uh, in Iowa City. Hi, Steve. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. What do you have to chip in? Hey, I'm a rural island, and uh, I'm a mid-American customer. And in that I have LP heat, I'm not uh, eligible for any of their efficiency programs or rebates or, say, insulation for my house. Is there anything on the horizon for rural islands uh, who are one of the IOUs uh, members? Pamela, do you deal with uh, rural customers, rural realtors? Um, I mean, I do when I teach. It's a very good question. Of course, the tax incentives will will apply to you. There are four, there's $4.9 billion coming to the states for energy efficiency upgrades. So it'll be really interesting to see how they get this money out to consumers. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to add about that. Mm. Um, Most of the residential programs are for... Uh, yeah, residential customers, not uh, anything specifically targeted for rural, uh, un- unfortunately, other than the home energy performance, whole house rebates, uh, rural customers could yeah. uh, 
qualify for that. And and just to just to reiterate, uh, we're going to be doing a number of programs uh, dedicated uh, to this topic, these incentives over the over the coming years. And as I mentioned, we're just focusing mostly on homes today. Uh, but Jerry, in in the future, perhaps you'll be back when we talk about the incentives for elective electric vehicles. A lot of incentives there. A lot of uh, greenhouse emissions to be uh, saved. There's a lot of interest in agriculture too, and carbon pipelines that we could talk about, and many, many other things in this complicated legislation. Okay. It'll take a, a while to pick apart. We have it here on Iowa Public Radio. Let's go to Chris in East Dubuque uh, listening. Thanks uh, for listening. Uh, Chris, what's on your mind? Uh, please be concise. We're coming to the end of the hour. All right. Thanks. Well, it's just that the whole idea of geothermal and, and these other renewable energies, it just seems like it's the direction we have to go, um, and I think it's amazing what you guys are doing or Iowa's doing with the incentives and the programs. I'm originally from the Twin Cities, so anything to save energy in extreme weather is good. And the thing about geothermal, one of the best ones is, and I'm sh- and, and least expensive, are the ones you can do a loop system like in a body of water. Uh, you know, if you have if you have a like body water. of water near your property, you mean? Well, I don't, but yeah, if you have like a a, a two acre pond on your property, like lots of farmers do, that kind of thing, geothermal uh, lines can be run into that, like just laid on the bottom oh, I of see. the thing, and they'll have that. Yeah. You, you can you can forego oh, all the, all the digging and the expenses with that, Jerry Jerry Schnorr. Oh. I was just going to say farm ponds are ideal for that, as the caller uh, intimates, and uh, I think that's an excellent point. You can put in thirty ton loop uh, uh, cooling in the bottom of a farm pond and really gain some energy efficiency. Yeah, um, Jesse writes. I'll just share his uh, comment via email. I installed geothermal in my. I think this is right, 1890s house in the urban core of Iowa City this October. The contractor used directional drilling to install the pipes about 20 feet below the surface without needing to dig up the yard. So far, writes Jesse, he has saved $50 a month versus my old high-efficiency gas furnace. The project cost $33,000, but I'll not have to see that. Uh, I'll have... I'll not have to see that since the loan payments are basically covered by the savings. Thanks for sharing, uh, Jesse, in Iowa City. Let's go to Lee. Lee calling from Iowa City as well. Uh, Lee, what's your question? Hi. Well, you know, I under, from what I understand, like uh, you could do a heat pump, which doesn't work efficiently when it gets below a certain temperature. But what about doing a hybrid system of having a furnace run when it's really cold and a heat pump to run the rest of the time and run air conditioning. Mm. Pamela? Well, so what's interesting is that heat pump technology has come a long way. There are many, many papers out there now around cold weather heat pumps. Uh, but So what people typically do, because a heat pump both works for air conditioning and heating, is to replace their traditional air conditioning system and then keep their their furnace as backup, um, just in case. But from what I've been hearing from people who have heat pumps in cold weather, they're they're working really really well. Mm. Okay, uh, thanks for okay. the call from Iowa City, Lee. We appreciate it. 
Let's go to Barbara. Barbara is with us in West Union. Welcome, Barbara. Coming up on the end, I'll have Hi, to... I just, uh, yeah, in less than a minute, please. Just, okay, quick comment. 2007, we put in geothermal. They did not have to dig trenches. They used a GPS with lead pipes that were threaded on the ends, and they just drilled down. They went out like a turkey track. They had to use um, antifreeze, and we did have to have a little pump in with our geothermal, which cools and heats, but it... Um, when it gets to be about 15 degrees above, we, we turn on the pump so that the antifreeze does not freeze. Works great. Cools, heats. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's my comment. Thank you so much for your program. Okay. Thank you, Barbara, from West Union. And we're winding up our program. Just time to have Jerry and Pamela mention any things that hadn't been mentioned or things you want to reiterate in the final moment. Pamela, you go first. If I can give you uh, about a minute, then we'll go to Jerry. What do you want to remind yeah. our listeners of as we, we, we jump off into this new era of uh, even greener technology? I am not encouraging people to move, but if you've installed this type of uh, technology in your home, make sure to find a real estate agent who understands those benefits and can properly market them when it's time to sell your house so that you see, you see a premium. Right. That's a big selling point is what you're saying. And someone who recognizes that as adding value and can market it in the right way is important. Exactly. Okay. The last word to you, Jerry Schnoor. I would just applaud uh, Pamela and the work of uh, NGOs in Chicago and everywhere to help us navigate the provisions of a of an act like the uh, Inflation Reduction Act to take advantage of all these energy and greenhouse gas emission savings. Right. And Pamela, online, where can people go? Where is the first stop just to wrap your mind around uh, the incentives to this new environment we're working in? Um, there is a uh, Rewiring America has a calculator that can help people figure out what incentives are available for them. And to check out Elevate's work, they can go to Elevate, N as in non, and P as in profit, dot O-R-G. Pamela Brookstein, Senior Projects Manager at Elevate Energy, based in Chicago. Jerry Schnoor at the University of Iowa. Pamela and Jerry, thank you so much. And thanks for all the input from our listeners. That encourages us to do more programs like this because we know there's a, um, there's a hunger Uh, for all the new information to make our world greener. This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. Today's program produced by Danny Gere. I'm Ben Kiefer. Thanks for joining us.